Welcome to Stuck in My Mind Podcast, the show where we dive into the mind of a regular guy on his road to self-discovery. You'll hear everyday people just like you share the latest topics, personal stories, and things they've learned along the way. And now, please welcome your host, Wise. It's your boy, W-I-Z-E-Wise, and I have a very special guest. He's a TV host, radio host, a producer, and he's very talented, the amazing Bruce Starr. What's going on, Bruce? Hey, Wise. Thanks for having me on your show. I really appreciate it, man. I appreciate you doing the show, man. It gives me a chance to talk about some fantastic times. So, yes, so you're the host of the 80s Golden Age of Comedy, right? That's right. A couple of years ago, I started uh, reconnecting with some of the people I represented back in the 80s when I was a uh, personal appearance agent for stand-up comedians, mostly out of the improv out of Hollywood on Melrose. And it was an incredible time back then. And interesting thing, a couple of years ago, some of the comedians like wrote books and I said to myself, wouldn't it be interesting if I, if I asked them if they wanted me to do an interview show with them? Because I've been interviewing people for, you know, dozens of years, a uh, couple of decades, thousands of people. But I love show business and I stepped away from it for quite a while. But when I saw that they had written some books, I said, maybe they'll let me interview them. And I asked a couple of people on, uh, to be guests and they said, sure. And that was really cool. And then I asked one of the people if they had recommend someone for the show and they said, well, Willie Tyler and Lester would, would I think they'd be good for your show. I don't know if anybody on this show remembers Willie Tyler and Lester, but he's one of the first Ventru- Ventru- Twillet, Chris, whatever. No, Twillet, whatever. He, he, he plays with a puppet uh, before Jeff Dunham. And uh, they did the show. And then when I had like these all-stars, then I started approaching people that I hadn't spoken to in 35 years. I said, hey, you, you want to do a show? You, you know, give you a chance to talk about your career and your lives? And they said, sure. And basically only one person has said no. And uh, everybody else has said, yes, I've done about 40 shows now. And you can find them at 80s, like you see down below, 80sgoldenageofcomedy.com. And what's phenomenal about the show, just to give you a for instance, when I knew these comics back in the 80s, and we could talk more about that in a little bit, when I knew them in the 80s, it was all, hey, I got this job for you, and have you been on Carson, and have you done this one and that show, and where are you going next week? It was never about personal stories. And if it was personal, it was how great they're feeling about how good they're doing. So on this show, I get people to talk about their not just their, the success in their careers, but how did they get there? How did they get going? What was their family life like? Did their family help them or hinder them? Because you'd be surprised how many people that are super driven came from very dysfunctional households. And they had to, they worked twice as hard to 
to get away from their families and prove to them that they're funny, they're a winner, they're talented, they're creative. So whether they were in good households who supported them or whether they were grew up in bad households, uh, I got some great, great stories. And it was amazing to learn about the comedians, their personal lives. Because yeah, like, like you said, you all you did when you spoke to them 35 years ago was, hey, have you done this show or have you done that show? You never really got you never got the opportunity to be intimate and got and and get the opportunity to sit down and really get to know this person who, who what they're experiencing what they've done what they're doing so that's why I love doing what I'm doing here because it gives me an opportunity to speak to different people that I might have never spoken to before I might have never gotten to know so it allows me the opportunity to to get to know a whole a whole different world out there I've done celebrities I've done regular people I've done just about every, every everything in between and and I, I love it is some of my best episodes are just some of the regular people who have a story to share and that's what i love yeah i've got a pretty interesting one uh it's it starts from me back around 1980 i was uh living in boston boston's a great place to live when you're young and either a student or a young person because Boston has 124 colleges and universities. And imagine what goes on there every September when there's new freshmen coming into a town like that, a party town. <laughs> well, that's, that's something we have in common because I, I went to school, I went to college right outside of uh, Boston in Newton, Mass. Uh, so oh, I know what cool. you're talking about. <laughs> I played golf there. I lived in Watertown. My friends were from Newton. Uh, great place, great place. And uh, so, you know, Boston, it's a great party town. But after I was there about 10 years and I started an import export jewelry business and it kind of brought me to do shows and be in show business. But I traveled from New York to L.A. to Chicago to Atlanta and, and set up booths at big trade shows. And I was it's funny to think of it that I was in show business then because if I didn't put on some kind of show or didn't connect with people. I wouldn't have sold too much when I did those shows. But there came a time when I was like getting bored and what am I going to do? Because I was playing golf at Putterham in Brookline, golf course right near where you grew up there. And uh, and a couple of guys came, uh, there was a writer strike out in LA in 80. And a couple of guys came back when there was no work to do. They came back to party in Boston. And I didn't know them, but they knew my friends who I partied. So a bunch of us partied and had a great time together for a week or so. I don't remember how long it was. But as we're getting closer to the end, they said, well, what are you doing here? I said, you know, I don't really know. I said, why don't you come out to L.A.? I said, wow. They said they're very active. He was the producer of Love Boat, and he was directing shows. And they said, we'll hook you up. I mean, I don't know what we can do, but if you come out there, we'll do whatever we can. And I said, wow, thanks. And a couple of like months later, I was watching TV in my living room and a 60 minute show came on and they were showcasing this personal manager, not an agent, a personal manager, someone who manages careers. An agent is someone who gets them job. So it was a big difference. So I said, there's this personal manager named Jay Bernstein and he gets out of this limo and right uh, in front of him is like Farrah Fawcett. He's in the limo with Farrah Fawcett getting out and, and getting onto a red carpet. I said, wow, how exciting is that? I want some of that. So the combination of watching that and my friends inviting me out to L.A., I got in my car 
and I drove all the way across country. You really can't get any further than Boston to go all the way across country to L.A. I made a couple of stops along the way, ran into some people. But when I got to Boston, a good buddy of mine who I went to Northeastern University with uh, was had an advertising agency job out there. And he knew I wanted to be in the business. So he picks me up at my sister's place who lived in Beverly Hills. And he says, come on, let's go. And I get in the car and he takes me over to the improv on Melrose. And he says, you want to be in the business? He's like, pushes me out of the car. And he says, go in there, ask for these two comedian guys. They'll take care of you. And I said, uh, are you sure? Huh? But I finally, you know, I went in there and these guys did take care of me and they introduced me to others. And they introduced me to a guy who, uh, who was writing for everybody. Uh, Leno and uh, Gabe Kaplan, you Letterman, writing for everyone. And he was looking for a roommate. So he, so he said, you want to be roommates? I said, sure. So in a way, after a while, we became power roommates where he was the writer and I was like the agent type. And it worked out really well. And one day, the improv, which where I was just hanging out every night, we'd hang out with the comedians. They would go in and perform. We'd go in and watch them. I'd watch their acts. I'd watch how they did. They'd come out. We'd hang out. And this was happening like 20 or 30 guys. It was an amazing experience. And one day I walked in there and it went from like a sleepy kind of place, up this big production, Evening at the Improv. You remember Evening at the Improv? Yeah. They started shooting it like that night. And it was amazing because the place transformed from this quiet place into people and, and shooting and, and production. And the, the biggest stars came from yesteryear to uh, to introduce the comedian, Vincent Price and Phyllis Diller and Jackie Mason. And I mean, it, it, I can go on and on about the people that we met there. It was just incredible. And then it started airing. And my, my roommate said to me, listen, why don't you make calls for these guys? The big agencies don't want to do it. And they don't want to call the clubs. Why don't you ask them if you could do it? I said, Mm, I want to be a personal manager like that Jay Bernstein guy. I don't want to be an agent because everybody hates their agent. The agent can never do enough for their, for their, for their clients. But after a while I said, he said, you know what? If you, if you make calls for them, you'll put money in your pocket. You'll put money in their pocket, which is what they need. It's what you need. And they'll be talking to you about more important things than hello. And how you doing? What you, did you like to set? So I finally said, yes. And after a while, thank God, because I had, after a while, I asked a bunch of the guys and they, they said, well, you want to ask this one? Why don't you ask that one? I had 35 stand-up comedians that I was representing and I wasn't stepping on anybody's toes. I wasn't, I was only helping the talent. I wasn't stepping on the agent's toes. I wasn't stepping on the manager's toes, just making people money, making calls for them at comedy clubs that were opening up all over the country. So it was an amazing opportunity, amazing time. It was just an incredible uh, stroke of luck in a way that uh, I was there when I was there. So how did that lead that, that? Did that lead to you doing TV and radio? Well, I didn't do TV and radio. I've, I've been doing radio since, gosh, 1990. I was hosting and producing shows about all sorts of different subjects. As a matter of fact, I lived out of the country for nine years. I was uh, known as the, the English voice for the Western Caribbean. And that was a great experience. So I was always doing radio and TV because I did leave the business at, at, at the end of the 80s. I, my mom passed away rather suddenly, had a stroke, and it just turned my life upside down. And there was a lot of parts to Hollywood that are not real likable. 
And, uh, you know, the, the relationships are very surfacy and I had terrible times dating. Uh, like if I wasn't a, an important enough agent or manager or cocaine dealer or cocaine user or whatever it was, an alcoholic, I wasn't drunk enough. No one was interested in me. I mean, if I couldn't get an actress a job, they just really weren't interested. And I hated that. I didn't like that at all. So, you know, when my mom passed, I said, you know what, this life is chaotic and the relationships are just awful. I said, I'm getting out of here. And I left. And I did go back again 10 years later, and I wasn't any more successful. I just wasn't dysfunctional enough to really fit in anywhere. But I, this time I went out with my, my, my girlfriend who became my wife, and it was, it was a much sweeter time. Even though I didn't have too many successes, it was a much sweeter time. But I did leave again. And it wasn't until the last couple of years when I started hosting the 80s golden age of comedy, which is just these great shows that just shows you the, the underbelly of, of the comedians and, and explains, you know, how things really go on. And, and it, it kind of exposes a lot of secrets that uh, about actors, actresses, celebrities, comedians, producers that you just you won't hear anyplace else. Yeah, man, that's that's awesome. I I grew up watching a lot of movies and stuff and comedies and stuff in the eighties. And some some of my favorite like some of my favorite comedians. I, I loved uh, Andy Kaufman. Um, George Carlin was one of my favorite comedians. Of course, Eddie Murphy was one of my favorite. Um, I, I, there was just so many so many for me to choose from at that time. Andrew Dice Clay. All there was so many different comedians that I just enjoyed listening to. It was. And it didn't matter if what if they were white, black. If they if they did great comedy, I just enjoyed them. Well, you just name you know some of the best. And what made them different is their ability to stand out from the crowd. They didn't just stand there and tell jokes. They were characters. Dice was a character. Eddie Murphy was a character. Uh, these people uh, earned the position that they got from hard hard work complete dedication. I mean, when these people came up through the ranks, they didn't have another, they didn't have another job. They didn't have anything they could fall back on because if they did have something to fall back on, it might've happened because the business is so hard. Let me tell you something about the dysfunctional, the, the kids growing up in dysfunctional families In dysfunctional families, you're treated poorly by your parents. Things are rough. They, they, they make you, struggle for everything, for every bit of attention, for every dollar. And it's really rough. Maybe you didn't have a father. Maybe you didn't have a mother. And it made you a lot tougher. So you, as that person growing up in a dysfunctional household, you had a better chance of making it in show business because the disappointments that you're going to have in show business, the treatment by some of the people, the club owners or the, the casting directors, it's, it, it can be horrible. The, the rejection can be horrible. But if you're kind of used to it, you can hang in there and keep going. Me, I grew up in a kind of a loving household. I had two older sisters and a mom who loved me and my dad loved me. I was like, love all over the place. And when I didn't, when I didn't get loved on, I'm like, let me out of here. You know, I just didn't have that same callousness that some of the other guys grew up with, you know, on the streets. And so when I ran into too much difficulty, I just decided to leave. It was just meant for you to go find something else. And you and you found what you're doing now. So 
Yeah, I'm so blessed because I'm getting to know all these comedians now on a more personal level and a more intimate level. And what's happening is I realize that a lot of the comedians aren't working. They're sitting at home and they really, really want to go out and work. So I've gotten together with another professional. We've uh, started a company, the 80s Golden Age of Comedy. And I'm going to be booking comedians all over the country at comedy stores and theaters, going to be booking one man and one woman acts, performances, going to be booking some of the uh, child stars that were around when we were kids. So I'm, I'm kind of getting back to my to my roots. Uh, and I'm, uh, we're planning all these great uh, tours for lots of comedians. And it's, uh, again, exciting all over again. And you're actually a part of my radio station now so as well. So we will be launching. Actually, this weekend, we're going to be working on the programming. So hopefully by the by Monday, Tuesday, we have the station ready to go. So, yeah, yeah it's going to be awesome. Some great some great times ahead, man. Yeah, and I'll get you some of my shows that you uh, that you can replay. I know it's all going to be audio. So I have to do some minor altercations to <laughs> whichever one of those alterations, altercations to, uh, to to take it from video to just audio. And I'm glad to do it. I'm an editor, so I, I can do that for you. And I look forward to getting some of the better shows and sending them over to you so you can play on your uh, platforms. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. I'm excited. It's it's I I, I love it because it's going to be all as all original is podcasters and 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 original programming that I'll, I'll start producing and stuff like that. So it's exciting. I'm happy for you, man. You have to think outside the box to be successful. You can't do the same old, same old. You got to be able to think of things that either no one's done before or if they've done it, they didn't do very well at it and you can improve it. You know, you don't invent the wheel, but you can make it a, a different and a, and a fancier and a better wheel. Yeah, yeah, with me, I, people like all they focus on. Oh, how am I going to monetize my podcast? Well, I've picked up so many different skills just podcasting, just by editing my podcast, just by learning how to do my graphics and my logos and and my cover art and all that. That I was actually able to sell my first logo this past week, and it all stemmed wow. and it all stemmed from me starting my podcast it all it all stems from me starting the podcast and me doing the production company and it's launching the and the launching the radio station and, and now i'm doing logos so um, it's, it's exciting it is exciting and you know i started doing the shows just to do the shows and now i, I realize that guys want to go back to work and i'm seeing this country right now is ready to open up I'm not waiting for them two or three years down the line to say, well, we may be open soon. No, no, no. I'm not thinking that way. I'm ready to open now. There's plenty of states that are open. There's plenty of places that are open. The comedians are ready. And I'm going to be I'm going to be booking them around the country. That's awesome, man. That's great. See, look at that. Things oh, things fall into place, man. It, 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 the pandemic happened and you took a negative and you turned it into a positive. You, you went from interviewing these people to now getting them gigs. Like you, you're going to be calling around getting them jobs. And it's just like, wow, it's just amazing. Cause you didn't expect it. This is just something that just happened. You, you saw, you saw that these people needed, they needed this help. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm your man. I can do this. I did it before. Let's go again. And that's awesome. And the country and the country needs to laugh again because the country is, you know, really rattled right now. And it, I thought it was bad last year. They're really rattled now with all the other 
things that are being forced upon them. And it's, it's not going to, it's going to end. This is not going to keep up this way. I know from what I've been studying, this is not going to keep going this way. It's going to end. And I'm going to be placing the comedians in different places around the country, comedy clubs, theaters, one man shows. It's going to be there when all these uh, other states open up and it's going to be a, a, a fun time. And how great to be someone who's not a singer, not a dancer, not a comedian, not a producer, uh, not at least the film producer, but someone who will be able to work and get the respect of people, my peers, my comedy peers. Listen, man, you, you, you worked hard to get to where you're at, man. It's not like, it's, 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 it's a long process. This, this is, this is your life. This is, it's not, this didn't happen overnight, man. You've worked hard to get to it. You've had your ups and downs and you, and you, like you, like you said, you was in the business 35 years ago. You left for 10 years, came back, left again. It's a process. This is a journey. That's what this is. That's what life is, is you grow, you start. Listen, it's time for me to move on from here. Let me get another experience and, and learn some other stuff. And then eventually you know, some people, some people are, some people are embarrassed because they have to, they, they, they fail at this or they fail at that or they get fired. I don't know anybody got fired more than me because I was not really good for corporate job. I didn't have that determination to fall into place and to fall into their discipline. I, I just, it didn't make any sense to me. It didn't make any sense to work for dysfunctional bosses who were a little bit nutty and to do things that weren't, important to me. So I got fired from plenty of jobs and I got ran into plenty of sick walls. The difference between me and some other people is I might've bitched and moaned and groaned and cried for a little bit, but I went to the left and I learned some more skills and I went to the right and learned some more skills. When I was down on the Island and I was doing interviews and, and having a great time down there, I started shooting my own footage. And then the, the, the Spanish guys taught me how to edit. So I learned how to be an editor. So I keep twisting and turning and learning more skills. And, uh, and then all of a sudden, you know, your life comes together uh, at the right time in the right place. Same thing here. I, I didn't, I didn't know how to edit my, I didn't know, any, I didn't know anything about program, programs I needed to get to edit. What, I, what were, what was everybody using? What, what videos, what camera, what, so I invested in myself and took some courses, learned some, learned some, some editing programs and took some um, video camera. I'm going to take some acting classes because I feel that's going to help me behind the mic. And it's just a whole bunch of, it's, but it's me wanting to self-improve and grow as an artist and, and, and develop skills and, and develop other things that are going to help my podcast and help my radio show take it to the next level because I'm not polished. I'm, this is this. I've been doing this for under a year. Is this, I, I wasn't a professional radio guy. I wasn't into into that. I was a gamer, uh, and and that's it. I did my. I went to work, came home, played my games, and that that was it. I started podcasting, and that just changed my world. And you got a great voice, so you certainly had a firm foundation to build upon. And I appreciate that. Uh, one that, that was the thing. One of the biggest things for me was I was afraid that I, I didn't sound good to myself and that's how everybody is. Nobody you, does. you don't you don't sound Nobody good does. you don't sound good to yourself and I was like oh I sound horrible whenever whenever I would hit record and record something like oh I sound like shit I shouldn't record and then when I released my my episodes and people were like 
Yeah, I'm like, yeah, it sucks, man. I sound horrible. And people would tell me, like, dude, you have a radio voice. What are you talking about? I would like, we wish we could sound like you. I'm like, I, I don't, I, I don't hear it. So, man, this is it's a great it's a great awareness. The whole key to being in show business is to accept yourself just the way you are and and build upon that. And because if you don't have self esteem, if you don't have a high image of yourself, no one's going to have it. So the, the key to success in this business is to believe in yourself and to know, hey, no one's any better than I am. Uh, I can be good at this. And just stop the self-judgments and the put-downs. Because I know after you after you did that, after you said, oh, man, I sound like crap. It was a rap. It was a rap. No one could tell me anything. It was after I kicked down that, that fear, kicked down that door, and just it was over. It was no longer me not sounding good. I was like shit who the fuck sounds better than me now like that's how it is that's how that's my the mentality i have now and and instead of starting from down here every day on every show you start from here and up yeah i'm i'm listen it's it's now where i'm like fuck who's who does sound better than i'm like oh fuck that i i i me personally i have to have that confidence and it's it's not ego and it's not it's just me wanting to be the best me and and it starts with you saying that you're the best. I can't fuck you, Joe Rogan. Yeah, he makes more money than me, but he don't sound as good as me. <laughs> Everything will come in time. Nah, it's it's all good, man. I have I'm I, I love this. It's it's so, I didn't know I was gonna be as passionate about it as I am, but I've, I don't monetize my podcast. That's fine. I, I have other things to support me. And I've, that's what I'm saying. This has led me to other things that would help support me. And continuing to do what I love. So why not? Like, hell yeah. And that's the key to success, to position yourself to do what you love to do. The people that are hating on their jobs, the people that are doing that nine to five thing for an empty corporation, just so the corporation can make money and they and they put little ants to work just so they can make money. It's so empty. That's why they they use twenty year olds and twenty five year olds to do those jobs because after you get to be in your thirties, you start looking at that and saying, Oh, I don't want to work for that corporation. That's awful. And by the time you get 40, you're like, I'm out of here. I've had my training. I've had my, I've learned my skills as I got paid to do it, but uh, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm going to do my own thing. That's, that's what happens when you, as soon as you get into your forties, you say, Hey, I'm skilled. I'm getting out of corporate. And I'm starting my own business. Oh, it's it's happening right now with me and my job. It's like I really don't want to be there. And 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 in the and the moment that I'm able to supplant that that income, oh, it's over. I'm, I'm putting in my two weeks. Like, thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate the the the, the opportunities for the last seven years, but it's time for me to move on. And 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 and, and I can't wait for that day. Nope. Sorry about the dog. Sorry about the dog. It's all good. It's, listen, this, this, that's part of life. Yeah, he's a show dog. He he gets a little jealous of me and my, all the time I get on the TV and stuff. So every once in a while, he wants to be on too. <laughs> but Bruce, I appreciate you being on. Let everybody know where they can find the show. 80s Golden Age of Comedy.com. It's an 80s Golden Age of Comedy.com. Be prepared to binge because there's 40 interviews there with celebrities and stand-ups, uh, and you're going to learn stuff about people that 
that's going to be so interesting. Instead of uh, watching mindless shows uh, that, you know, you just shake your head as what is all that going on? You can see some great show business productions and learn things about show business that you won't get anywhere else and let other people know about it because, uh, listen, uh, and also, if you're interested, you're hearing the show and you're interested in checking out the 80s golden age of comedy tour, go to my website and there's a place where you can leave your name and your contact information and say, hey, put me on your mailing list and I want to go see those comedians when they come to my town. Definitely, definitely. And when and when you ready, when you get that tour set up, man, let me let me know some dates so I can share them with people and. And help promote you as well, man. I got to promote a friend. Thank you. Thanks for having me on your show. I love it. Oh, no, I appreciate you doing the show. Like I said, we're here to help promote you and then have a good conversation while we're at it. Yeah, that's what we did. So once again, thanks for coming by and I greatly appreciate it, brother. Have a good day, man. You too, man. Once again, thanks to Bruce Starr for stopping in and showing some love. All right, so now it's time for shout outs. Big shout out to Steve Joyner for setting this up. Big shout out to my Real Wise family. Poppy J, Brandy J, love you guys. Big shout out to the boss lady, Fina. Love you, baby. And as always, big, big shout out to all the essential workers out there. God bless you. Be safe. And you know how your boy Wise does it. Peace out. Thanks for listening. Listen on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, and TuneIn. Find us on social media on Twitter at Wise underscore B underscore Blunt. Instagram at Wise underscore B underscore Blunt. And a Facebook fan page, www.facebook slash Wise 76. Check back soon for new episodes. Until next time, peace out. Peace out.